the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. A John Paz, and with me as always is the star of the show, a former a WWE Tag Team Champion, eight-time Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champion, and one of the greatest trainers in professional wrestling history. He is the Doctor of Desire, Tom Pritchard. Tom, how are you doing today? Good day, good day, good day. I'm doing great today. It's been a wonderful day, and I'm uh, looking forward to an even better tomorrow. Awesome stuff, and you know, through the the seven weeks, now eight weeks, as we're on episode eight, we've been kind of going through a lot of WWF and a lot of your history and different things like that. But I think one of the most intriguing things to me about your history is the time you were spent in Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And everyone obviously knows Smoky Mountain very well, or at least they should. But we're going to take you to school a little bit and take you back to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. You have a lot of fond memories of Smoky Mountain? Yeah, I actually do because uh that was that was a place I got to uh actually hook up with Jim Cornette and Stan Lane and come back to Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh I'd wrestled a few times when I was in Atlanta in the early eighties and, and came in and out of Knoxville and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, we also worked some in continental wrestling out of uh, Pensacola and Birmingham. So yeah, Smoky Mountain Wrestling has a lot of lot of fond memories for me. I really enjoyed it. So how do you actually enter Smoky Mountain Wrestling in April of 92? You're going to be the Dr. Desire Tom Pritchard, but how did you actually come about to enter the, you know, the, the world of Knoxville? Well, again, my career is taking kind of a, uh, <laughs> a lot of twists and turns, so to speak, but I, I was in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, wrestling for the Jarrett Promotions. Eric Embry was booking at that time, and I had been there a little over a year, I guess. And uh, we were going back and forth from Dallas, and it was USWA. And uh, I, I got along with everybody there around this time, and but it was time to leave. And Jim Cornette actually gave me a call. And point blank asked me, would I be interested in making a move? He was about to open up this new territory. Uh, it was going to be based out of Morristown, Tennessee. That's where everybody was supposed to live. And our main town was going to be Knoxville. We're going to work the West Virginia, Kentucky towns as well. And asked me if I was interested. And I said, well, sure. But at the same time, 
this was going to be pioneering the territory, so to speak. And his idea was to bring uh, me in with Stan Lane and be the heavenly bodies. And uh, he told me right off the bat, his idea was to uh, bring in the Midnight Express and redo the Midnight Express Rock and Roll Express angle. But uh, Bobby uh, had a contract with WCW, and uh, he was going to stay with them while Stan and Jimmy had had enough, and they were ready to move on. So he asked me if I was interested. I said, of course I was. Of course I'd be interested. And and then it was just a matter of uh, telling Jerry Jarrett, uh, giving him my notice and working it out and letting uh, uh, Eric know I was going to be leaving as well. So um, that's how that came about. And I was I was very excited because, again, I knew it was a new start, a new territory, and wasn't sure what to expect. But I knew if uh, Jim and Stan were going to be involved, it had to be it had to be uh, uh, something they believed in. Uh, in order to get us started. So I was I was very excited about that. What did Jerry Jarrett say to you on your way out? Happy for you? Pissed off? You're leaving the territory? Was there any animosity there? No, no animosity at all. I, at that time, again, this was in 19... Uh, was it 90 or 91? Early, early 90s. And uh, at that time, everybody saw the writing on the wall, I'm pretty sure. Um and I had been there a while, and there, there's only so many things you can do uh, with a guy. <laughs> and I, I had done pretty much everything I could. I was part of the uh, Texas versus Tennessee alliance, and and he, I think he was happy for me. He was just uh, uh, ready for <laughs> for changes as well in his territory. So, yeah, no animosity whatsoever. Now, as far as getting into Smoky Mountain, you said you're excited, it's going to be a new start, but this is a new territory, and the days where territories are kind of becoming passe as Vince has taken over the world, did you have any trepidations, or was there any thought about, wow, it's a new territory, this might be a little risky? Well, once again, uh, Knoxville is a different um, area for wrestling. To this day, we're in 2020, but to this day, uh, it, it's that I don't want to say it's a it, it's a city or town thrown back in time, but but a lot of things you'll see in Knoxville you won't see in the rest of the country, even even in West uh, Tennessee. But I knew about the fan base in Knoxville. I knew about the, the the fans. I knew about the people in Knoxville, and they were wrestling fans. They they I think they were more old school wrestling fans still at that time. And uh, once again, the thing that really sold me was it was it was Jim Cornette and Stan Lane, and I had known Jim uh, for a long time. And it, actually, my first time in Memphis was in, uh, in in the early part of the '80s too, and that's where I met him right before he went to went to go to work for Watts. So uh, I, I had the idea that even though it was a new territory and it was something that uh, may or may not have been going the way of, uh, you know, the Model T. Uh, I was still excited to, uh, to get to work with Jim and Stan and be associated with him after all he had done and after after all they had done. So it, it and it wasn't just me uh, coming in for this. It was going to be uh, Brian Lee as the top babyface, uh, 
Tony Anthony, who was also working in Memphis at the time, was going to going to be coming in, and he's from Knoxville. So uh, the guys, Buddy Landell, another Knoxville guy, and the guys that Jim had mentioned to me that were also going to come on board had been around for a while. And uh, I knew their talent, and I knew what they they had to offer. And uh, here was a chance to now work with Ricky and Robert, the Rock and Roll Express, uh, not just on a nightly basis, a regular basis, but but my gosh, uh, get to do something new and exciting with them. We, we were going to start out with the Fantastics, Bobby and Jackie Fulton, and then work our way up to rock and roll. But he laid it out for me, and, and it sounded great, and uh, and it was great for a little while there. So what did you think about Rick Rubin, you know, the money man, kind of the, the real owner of Smoky Mountain, the um, kind of the uh, the eccentric producer, obviously very, very highly successful eccentric but great producer. What do you think about Rick? Uh, you know, I never had the opportunity to meet Rick, uh, but I had heard a lot about him and heard, knew he was the, the man behind the scenes, so to speak, and he really didn't want to be up front about it and didn't want to be out in the, the public's eye, but, but he was – I, I, I believe he was um, look, looking to do the same thing and, and try and start something that uh, uh, people say couldn't be done back then. And I think he he wanted uh, Jim and and everybody associated with the project to succeed. But I but what I know about Rick is that he's very passionate about everything he does, and uh, so that that made me feel a little more secure and steady in what we were doing too. So uh, I never had the opportunity to meet him, but um, I, he, he, I know that he saw the tapes and, and knew what was going on in the territory. He wanted certain things done like the, uh, uh, the mummy. And, and uh, there was a few other <laughs> eccentric uh, uh, requests, if you will. But, but that was, that was all cool. And that was part of the mystique too, I think coming in, Having someone who, <clears throat> excuse me, was ready to back a new venture and uh, and see how far we could go, and we did. <clears throat> excuse me. And maybe the Ninja Turtle as well. I think that was another crazy one. That, that ah, the that Ninja. One. Yeah, I think the Ninja Turtle. That that might have been a Mark Curtis idea that that uh, uh, that Jimmy Jimmy just let let. Uh, let him do Brian Hildebrand. So, uh, and I can't remember that might have been on Rick's list, but I can't remember there was there was a few other things. Prince Karis and uh, uh, James Mitchell uh, came in together, but um, yeah, it was it was a cool time. As far as Jim Cornette, the relationship with him as you first entered, you know, he obviously gives you the call, he lays it out for you, you're on your way in. What kind of relationship or, or, or of anyone do you kind of first start with him? Because obviously on screen, as soon as you guys are together, it's like, wow, what chemistry here? You know, you're like, uh, you know, a regular old Midnight Express member at this point. But what was the chemistry like with Jim? Immediate? Well, once again, I, I met Jim early on and um, he didn't, <laughs> I'll never forget this because uh, he, he didn't think I liked him. He thought I was, uh, for some reason, uh, I was looking at him with disdain, but I really wasn't. I was amazed that this guy was was uh, as good and as young as he was right off the bat. But um, I, I I always got along with Jim. 
And uh, when we got there, it was uh, definitely uh, definitely chemistry because he's going to be the boss. He's going to call the shots. And when I rode with him at Stan, it was yeah, you got to you got to remember the 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 car trips the road trips back then were a lot more fun i believe you know i know uh than they than they are today and that's because we knew that's that's what we had to do and why make it miserable let's have fun let's uh uh, pass pass the time away as best as we can, and I got in the car with Jim and Stan, and it was nonstop laughing. We had a great time every time we made a trip, and in in the locker rooms, uh, uh, it was that that chemistry with everybody. And it, while it was definitely Jimmy's brainchild and Jimmy's ideas, um, and he wanted it done as close to perfection as you can get. Um, there was still that atmosphere of everybody's getting along, everybody's having a good time. And uh, the Rock and Roll Express, great guys, and a uh, pleasure to be around too. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I thought the chemistry was great between Jim and I. I thought the chemistry was great between Jim and, and Stan. And, and uh, I, I, I believe Jimmy knew that before he even called me because he I don't think he would want to be in a miserable predicament like that to managing guys that you didn't want to be around managing guys you didn't uh uh enjoy in fact you know there was a time that that uh <laughs> and he told me this himself when dennis uh, left in charlotte you know, i remember being on a four-day loop with adrian street and adrian told me that jimmy was trying to get a hold of me this is pre-cell phone days and he didn't have a way to get in touch with me but uh, he wanted me to come in and, and take Dennis's place, but that was a time when uh, Crockett had just bought the Florida Territory, and Stan was there pretty much uh, not doing anything either, and Dusty put Stan in that place. So, you know, we he, Jimmy had had his eye on me for a while, and he told me that, and uh, he was happy that, that we finally got to work together, and I don't know if, I, I believe I was probably happier than he was, but but it was, uh, he, he made me feel welcome. And, and again, I've known Stan too for a while, and Stan was always great. So it was one of those things that I came into, and, and uh, we, we clicked right off the bat. Wow, what would that have been like if you somehow got a hold of you? You would have been with Bobby Eaton many, many years earlier. That would have changed your life, huh? Well, uh, yeah, but honest to goodness, I, I don't. Looking back on that, I've thought about that uh, before, and I don't really believe I was ready for that spot. I don't believe I was ready for what needed to be done there. I mean, and, and there's no doubt I could have gone out and uh, uh, had the matches and, and, and physically filled that spot. But, but you know, um, Stan pretty much raised the bar. Stan um, came along at the right time uh, for that. Dennis, Dennis was a guy who engineered the majority of midnight spots and, and, psychology and Jimmy Jimmy learned along the way from Dennis as well and and they'll tell you the same thing but you know when Stan came in there the, just the optics and uh his, his personality brought a whole new meaning and a whole new uh look and feeling to the team they didn't miss a beat in fact I think they just got better uh, with Stan on their side. So while I would have appreciated it, probably I, I'm, I'm glad 
that um, I didn't go in there and, and, and get that, have that happen uh, at that time because I don't think I would have been able to handle it and do it as well as Stan did. Now, kind of going back just a second, you mentioned car rides and road trips with Cornette and Lane. What is a car ride with Jim Cornette like? Is you always hear him talking about how much fast food he consumes. Can't imagine you getting healthier with these car rides. Well, well, well I, I don't know if, uh, yeah, I don't know if that was our main concern back then, too. But, yes, we did stop by Wendy's on, on more than one occasion. Yes, we did go drive through Dairy Queen. Yes, yes, we did do a lot of the, the things you've heard about Jim doing. But, but once again, um, it, it was a different time, a different era. And uh, we, you could still eat healthy if you wanted to, and I did on occasion. But at the same time, that wasn't my that wasn't my main concern. Um, so, Jimmy, just being in the car. Look, overall, car rides uh, back then, especially, is how a lot of us uh, spent our time. Um, getting to the town, coming back from the town, so you better ride with somebody or or, or people. That, that you get along with or enjoy being around. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to, to have some pretty good riding partners. And uh, uh, I didn't ride all the time with, with Jimmy and Stan because I when, when I got here, let me say this, for Smoky Mountain, I didn't want to live in Morristown. Morristown's about uh, 45 minutes out of Knoxville. Not a bad place. I just didn't want to live there. I, I would. I wanted to live in Knoxville, and I had a place uh, off of Paper Mill Road in Knoxville, Tennessee, and uh, I lived there and by myself, and uh, close to the mall, close to close to a gym I wanted to work out at, and um, so that was my deal. So I, I would usually meet up with. I don't know, Dirty White Boy or Brian Lee. Brian Lee was my main writing partner uh, later on. So uh, it was <laughs> whenever I did hook up with Stan and Jimmy, uh, it was a blast because it was nonstop uh, jokes. It was nonstop trying to keep everybody entertained. Everybody stayed awake. Uh, so and that that was the main thing back then. And you mentioned before about like the fans in the area and how kind of old school they are, but they seem like some of the most loyal fans like ever. Uh, they're still loving like Whitey Caldwell and Ron and Don Wright all these years later. So I mean, are they possibly one of the most loyal fans you've ever come in contact with? I, I would I would have to say so. Yeah, they they certainly. Uh like their wrestling, and they let you know if they they thought it was good, when they let you know if they thought it was bad, and they appreciated heels being heels. Uh, they wanted to get mad. They they wanted to be part of the action. Again, going back to uh, fans like ECW, as educated as ECW fans are and were, they still wanted to be a part of the of the actual performance of the show and and they they lived in it and uh knoxville fans lived in it they uh you know they they wanted to boo they wanted to cheer they wanted to be uh entertained and uh they wanted to believe so yeah i think their loyalty pretty much uh what was translated into uh uh being the, being the kind of fans that, that everybody liked to perform in front of. 
So their loyalty, uh, in turn, uh, got our loyalty, you know, to come back and, and uh, give them the best, best show, best uh, gimmick they could get. So that was our goal, too. But, yeah, there they were some great fans, and there's still some great fans around here. As far as becoming the Heavenly Bodies with Stan Lane as a tag team and Jim Cornette as the manager, when he's kind of laying it out to you, does he tell you the look he wants, the ring gear you're going to have? Like, how does that whole thing go where he ties in the gimmick and the name and all that stuff associated with you guys, the characters? <laughs> well, anyone who knows Jim Cornette uh, on a professional level knows that he leaves no stone unturned. Jim ordered everything. And that was again, a Rick Rubin deal. Um, we were given the opportunity to come in and Jim had the robes made by the same guy that made, uh, uh, Randy Savage robes in, uh, in, in Florida. I think it was in Tampa, but, uh, I had a jacket, Stan had a robe, and uh, the trunks, the, we, we had these forearm sleeves, I guess we wore over for the first month or two months until we said, eh, <laughs> yeah, these, these won't work too well because they kept sliding down, got ratty and ragged real quick. But, yeah, Stan, or, uh, Jimmy ordered the boots, ordered the, ordered the whole look, ordered the costume, uh, costume, or ordered the, the, the uh, logo. Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. With the... Uh, I guess it was a ball of fire coming down from the heavens, hence heavenly bodies or a planet, whatever it was. Anyway, um, yeah, Jimmy ordered it all. Jimmy had the idea. He had the look. He had the gimmick. He had the setup. He had the uh, production, the uh, presentation. And uh, so, yeah, it was all Jim. What did you think about it? Well, once again, I thought it was great. Here, you know, uh, I, I had had these opportunities and, and, and I never pursued a whole lot. And here it is. Um, uh, Cornette took the, uh, took the initiative and, and offered me this opportunity. So by this time I'm, I've been wrestling 10 years and I'm, I'm waiting for something to happen. I'm waiting to, to sink my teeth into something and, and, uh, here it is. And uh, I had known Bobby Fulton, didn't know Jackie Fulton too well, but you know, you know, I, I, they, they were great to work with, you know, um, and we knew we were going through them to get to rock and roll express. And I had known Robert and Ricky for a long time too. So I, I knew what it was leading to. And one of the greatest things in, in the business is being able to work with people who get it and who understand it, um, who understand what you're trying to accomplish in the ring and who understand uh, storytelling and, and passion. And when you have that, uh, showing up to work is, is, is a pleasure. And, and it was always a pleasure getting in the ring with Ricky and Robert, always. So this is just, to me, a great look. Great team, great manager. Obviously, with Stan Lane, it is great. What did you think about relationship with him as far as chemistry, his work rate, and how you guys mesh together as a team? Well, once again, see, Stan had already been through the uh, the fabulous ones, and mm -hmm. I, that's that's where I met Stan the first time when he was uh, with Steve Kern in in the Memphis area, 
And they were making more money at their picture table than they would, uh, you know, for uh, for their weekly paycheck. And um, God, they they were they were an incredible team. And and I always got along with those guys. And when when I came into this gig, it, it was like picking up where we left off. I always got along with Stan, but the deal was. And the deal is, you know, Stan had his thing going on. I had my thing going on. And uh, we got along great. Never had a crossword. But Stan was living in Charlotte. And, you know, he he liked to do his thing after the matches, and I liked to do my thing. And the two didn't always meet. But there was there were times when we, we did go out and we did have fun. And we, we, we uh communicated and partied after the matches but for the most part we'd go out and have our show have our match and uh come back and uh that was it you know on the road was great but i I thought we got along great i thought we messed great and stan was always never overbearing never uh never hard to work with at all were you more the ring general of the team I don't think so. I really don't think so. In fact, um, uh, I think it I, I don't know if either one of us took that, that position because it was Stan who introduced Jimmy uh, for the introductions. Uh, when after, after Jim would introduce us, Stan would take the mic in his DJ voice and introduce Jimmy. But it, once we went over the match, it was always a Jim Cornette production. Jimmy knew what he wanted to get out of us. He knew, what he, knew where he was going with the angle, knew, what he, knew where he was going with the match. And he had it pretty much laid out. We would all offer suggestions, but uh, I don't think if, – if there was a ring general on that team, I'd have to say it would be Jim Cornette. Hmm. Definitely uh, kind of fair to say. Him as the mouthpiece of the team and kind of the general and, and the manager, is he like the perfect heat magnet, so to speak? Oh, yeah, most certainly. You know, and once again, here in the, in the South, here's a here's a mama's boy uh, coming out talking about uh, <laughs> what we're going to do uh, to the Rock and Roll Express of the Fantastics. These, these good old boys down here didn't take kindly to that. So, yeah, he was a, he was a heat-seeking missile, man. And we, you know, I, in, in my, in my career, uh, I can remember twice on my own, one time in Birmingham, a, a, a guy in the front row hit me with his cane when a match with Brad Armstrong. I, uh, another time I got, I got, a punch thrown at me in Dothan, Alabama. Um, but both times were, were pretty much just within five seconds, ten seconds squash. They grabbed the guys, no, no problem. With Cornette, I, I, I can't. I, maybe four times, five times, I can remember, and that's that's kind of a lot because we had security. But but we had to fight our way back to the locker room. That was that was pretty good heat back then. That was, uh, you know, it could be fun, but it could be dangerous too. You didn't know what anybody, if anybody was carrying a knife or what it was. But, but even in the nineties, you know, Cornette just had that natural heat and people wanted to get in, get a hold of him. People wanted to snatch him. And because we were right there with him, you know, they, they would, uh, sometimes <laughs> grab us or, 
or snatch us or throw a punch at us, and we would have to fight our way back. So, I mean, that was uh, <laughs> that, that was pretty pretty hairy at times. Were you ever like legitimately scared? Like, okay, Cornette got us into something. This time, we might not be able to get out of this. No, I no, I wasn't. But but there was an incident that happened with the gangsters in in uh, I think it was West Virginia somewhere when I was at home in Houston. My dad had had a heart attack, and we didn't know if he was going to make it or not. And uh, uh, I had gone to Houston for that weekend, and it was Jim and. Jimmy Del Rey, and I don't know who took my place, if it was Jim or not, but they got into a pretty full-scale riot with the gangsters. And uh, that, you know, I heard about it, and, and uh, you know, that kind of, I was scared for them. But, but in, the, in the times when we were together, no, I was, I, I was never really uh, fearful. Um, it, it, it would, I wasn't fearing for our lives. I, I was fearful that we might... Um, we might have taken a couple shots here, but that was it. I mean, I was always uh, – I had taken a couple shots before. I'd been, I'd been hit in the face once or twice, and I knew what it felt like. So, uh, But, no, I, I don't think there was ever a time when I was just completely uh, overtly scared. You know, I was, I was concerned. I didn't want to get knifed, didn't want to get shot. But, but I, was, I was willing to take a shot for whatever we had to do. With Cornette, and you said Stan kind of doing the intros and that whole thing, do you think that just added another level to the team? Because I always thought that was so interesting, so unique, so original, that, you know, the, the manager will just kind of take it upon himself and one of the wrestlers, and they're kind of do their own introduction. And, you know, the ring announcer, you stink, love. we're going to do our own, we do it justice. You think that was just like the perfect kind of addition to the, you know, not only the, the ring work and everything else, but just the complete package of adding that in. Yeah, of course. Stan was a DJ before too, and and uh, uh, so he he had experience. And Stan was a smooth guy. I mean, he really was. He was what you saw is what you got. And um, the great thing about it was he had a great personality. He had a great sense of humor, and um, he he could have been that guy who who believe. I'm sure he. Believe he was better than a lot of people, but but he he always came across as an easygoing, fun-loving guy, and you wanted to be around. He 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 um you grab you gravitated towards him, and 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 you couldn't help but but have a good time when he was in the back, and and uh, he, that was the kind of person you want to team with. He was fun to be around. Um, he got it, and he understood that. Uh, you know, we don't want to take our, ourselves too seriously. He had been in the, the fabulous ones where, you know, he had been to he had been out to Jerry Jarrett's house and they took the pictures in the the uh, bikini briefs or whatever. You know, and, he, and even he knew. He says, "Yeah, it was this goofy stuff." But I mean, it got over, and uh, that that's what it took. But doing the introductions and things like that just came natural to Stan because he he did it naturally everywhere he went he he was an entertainer uh he was he, he could tell you a story in the back and and you didn't know if it was uh <laughs> embellished or not but but that's what we did back then you know you embellished a little bit and and, and you made the story even bigger and better so you guys become the first ever smoky mountain wrestling tag team champions you and stay in the heavenly bodies defeat the fantastics in a tournament 
what was the kind of thoughts? That was always the game plan. You guys were kind of going to be the standard bearers. You're going to be the first tag team champs. Yeah. Yeah. That was always uh, the plan uh, first off, but uh, we had, again, uh, I think rock and roll was finishing up too. And we were going to go through the fantastics, uh, win the belts, then come in. Here comes Ricky and Robert. And, and then we start. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was, uh, plan a, and the chemistry with the fantastic, you, you just thought was great as well, as far as them being pretty good uh, hands and obviously well, you guys are great as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I had worked with, with Bobby before, but, uh, I, I never worked with Jackie. Here's the thing with Jackie. He could be, uh, a little wild in the ring and, and the one time, uh, well, one time when we're wrestling, uh, out of nowhere, uh, Jackie just spin kicks me right in the face. I mean, no warning, nothing, just bam. And that was the beginning of my neck problems. I'll never forget it because it was like I, I, I've been hit hard before, but this just rocked me. And I, I, I was, I was stunned. I wasn't knocked out, but I was stunned. And my head just went like, bam, I felt my neck crack. And I went, Jesus Christ, why, why, why? It was going so good. But um, he was a little excitable and uh, could be a little um, what we call stiff. <laughs> you know, and Bobby just has such a passion for the business. Uh, and that was always good to work with. Uh, always, always good to work with, great to work with people who are passionate and love the business. And uh, because you knew you were going to have that kind of match. And, and we had that kind of match with those guys. Uh, but Jackie was a little excitable and not as, uh, not as smooth as Bobby, but, but they worked. And, and uh, <laughs> we, we did have good matches with them. And they were both nice guys. It's interesting. Stan and you, obviously Stan was in the Midnight Express legendary tag team. Then Bobby Fold and Jackie, and obviously Bobby and Tommy Rogers were an interesting but awesome tag team at the Fantastics. So they, you both kind of get, or Stan and Bobby both both get different partners, can throw different partners in, become equally as good tag teams, maybe maybe not, but almost equally as good tag teams as they were. I just I love that how they're both such good pros. You could you know mix mix and match so to speak. Yeah, and and and, and once again uh, that was there was a lot more of that. Uh, in the business back then, there was a lot more of uh, uh, again a different place, different time, different era, different world, definitely. But y- you got to work in different territories with a lot of guys, and and you would meet along the way, and eventually wind up back uh, in a territory with the same guy. So, um, you know, you you remember the guys that were were cool in the locker rooms you've been in before. And you remember the guys who, who weren't so cool. And, um, so that, and then that happened because you had to keep moving around. So, uh, times have certainly changed, but yeah, it was kind of cool because I had known, uh, Tommy Rogers for, for a long time too. Uh, knew Bobby. I just met Jackie in Smoky mountain, but, um, yeah, I, and that was that was part of the deal. You know, we would all work together to to make the match. And uh, if somebody uh, had a problem or had had an issue in the ring, we'd discuss it, take care of it, uh, one way or another. So that yeah, was very very cool. 
So this tag team tournament, let me see if I can refresh your memory a little bit here. We're talking about beating the Fantastics in the finals. In the semifinals, you guys beat Danny Davis and Joey Maggs. And in the first round, you guys beat the Batten Twins. So any kind of memory or recollection of working the Batten Twins? We'll start with them. Well, uh, <laughs> that's the first time I've met those guys. I think they're from West Virginia. Uh, good workers. Uh, twins and uh yeah, they good workers. Uh, that's that's about all I remember about them. I, they don't they weren't there much longer though. I think they 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 spent a brief time in Smoky Mountain, but um, uh, yeah, not much not much to remember except uh, I would remember if it was horribly bad, but it wasn't. How about Danny Davis, who you know you know pretty well, and Jumpy Joey Mags? Well, again, both those guys, Danny. Uh, who I respect immensely and then gained even more respect for over the years, uh, tremendous worker. And he came from uh, another great tag team as a nightmares and Joey Maggs I'd known since Atlanta. And uh, again, one of those guys from the South who knew how to tell a story, knew how to get the match over and knew what he was there for. And uh the whole tournament, the whole thing, every time, I don't remember having any problems. I, I remember coming in and it just being a great, being a night off uh, with everybody we worked with. So then you guys beat the Fantastics, you become tag champs, kind of a, a bit of a feud with the Fantastics Fantastic as you go along. But I think, like you said, it was all kind of building up to the big feud with the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. You knew, you mean, you just had to know it was going to be just great chemistry right off the bat. Were you very happy working with the Rock and Rolls? Are they just like taking a night off? Are they very easy to work with? Of course, yeah. Uh, but I'd worked with Ricky and I'd worked with Robert before. I'd, I'd been in tags. I've been in singles with both guys. I knew their attitude and I knew where their head was at. And um, uh, we were all on the same, we were all on the same page. Uh, and that's a great thing, man. When you you, you go to the ring and you. you know what you're going to work for you know that um uh the match is going to get over because you have all all five guys including our manager on the same page i just watched uh well last two weeks ago we watched a match a six-man match from houston with the midnight express and ernie ladd versus duggan and the rock and roll express and for 15 minutes it's a house show though for 15 minutes you know, the midnight keeps putting the Rock and Roll Express over, and they keep doing this and let the crowd react. And it's so hot in the buildings in Sam Houston Coliseum. Um, the, the heels just keep keep putting the baby faces over. It's not ready to get the heat yet because they 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 know how to lay it out and they know how to let it breathe. And I had seen Ricky and Robert do this before I'd worked with him before in the same scenario. All you had to do is, is one or two things, let it breathe and then go to the next thing, let it breathe. And we had, we had a story laid out. We had tears to the story. This is our beginning. This is our middle and this is our end. Uh, so we knew how to get there. It, it was just a matter of how much time it would take. Some nights it took longer, some nights it didn't, but, um, uh, on TV, we knew what we were going to do. The house shows were the fun ones. TV could be fun, too, at times. But, um, uh, yeah, it was 
it was supposed to be the Midnight Express and, and rock and roll, but I was just uh, fortunate enough to uh, now get that spot. And uh, my gosh, yeah, if you couldn't have a match with Ricky and Robert, you, you know, you couldn't have a match, in my opinion. Do you think that as far as tag team wrestling is concerned, is it very kind of freeing and great to know that Cornette is such a backer of tag team wrestling? You know, WWF at times, Vince is not a main event draw and, and kind of, you know, we'll, we'll kind of maybe downplay it and singles will usually be the main event. But really, Smoky Mountain, he definitely made a concerted effort. You guys would main event. You, know, you could, would be important part of the show. Was it great for you to know that tag team wrestling was important to Cornette? Well, once again, that goes back to what Jimmy knows. You know, when when they went to Bill Watts um, at the Midnight and Rock and Roll Express, uh, where where everybody got their big break, uh, you know, the Louisiana Territory was built on big men. And in the early 80s, Watts came to Louisiana or came to Memphis looking for new talent. And... Uh, the Rock and Roll of Midnight's, along with Jim Cornette, were, were part of the trade. Uh, so when, when they got down to Louisiana, these guys had chemistry, and these guys just meshed and clicked like nothing else uh, Bill Watts or anybody at that time had ever seen. So that became the the feature of the show. And then when they went to Charlotte, same thing. And Charlotte had been a tag team territory before so uh jimmy i think had had all that under his belt and he saw how it could work when you have wrestling fans getting behind it uh but the thing is um you know jim i think what set jim off about coming to knoxville was they they had a house show uh in knoxville uh, uh, Charlotte did uh, Crockett, Jim Crockett ran a show in Knoxville and Jim was amazed that the the uh, fans were so old school and doing going nuts for the old school spots and, and tag team action they were giving them so you know Jimmy had experience with tag team wrestling and he knew it worked when you had the right combination so uh, yeah that was that was a reassurance on his part, that that he was going to uh, feature us, of course, because he was our manager. He's going to be in the main event too, and it was a great opportunity for me again to get uh, get that experience under my belt too. And working with a, a guy like Stan and Jim, both, not to mention rock and roll every night, uh, gave me an opportunity to to think about spots, think about things we could do in the ring. So, yeah, that that was. Uh, very reassuring and a, and a cool, cool thing to know that Jimmy was was certainly going to feature us. Did it mean anything as far as being the first ever Smoky Mountain Tag Team Champions? I think as fans, sometimes you know we are like, "Oh, that's such a great honor!" Like that's great. Does it mean anything to the wrestler, or is it just kind of another day at the office? Well, you know what? Yeah, of course it does. It, it, of course, it means something to, to me. But but I'm I'm a wrestling fan too. So uh, it, it did because Smoky Mountain was uh, – how, how long was it in existence? Do you have four years, five years? Smoky there. Mountain, uh, I believe, was almost almost five years. Well, it's really almost. probably 
So it's probably RAV4, I'd say, for sure. Yeah, almost almost four or five years. But, but look at the people who came from that. Look at the people who, who were discovered in Smoky Mountain. Look at the relationships uh, that were made and, and how people um, were noticed in, in the, a short period of time. So the first Smoky Mountain champion, I believe, was Brian Lee. You know, we were the first tag team champion. So, um, you know, anybody who goes back to – anybody who's a uh, historian knows uh, knows about the territories in wrestling, they, they can go back, and if they're interested in it, and find out who did what and where they wound up. So, yeah, it's it's, it's cool to be, be known as the first Smoky Mountain tag team champions, certainly. Do you remember a tag team named the Party Patrol, Johnny and Davey Rich? Well, I might might have heard of them once or twice, yeah. <laughs> what do you yeah. think about working with those guys? Well, once again, that, that goes back to I've known those guys since the Pensacola days, the Alabama days. And uh, uh, anytime you're working with uh, professionals and, and people that you enjoy being around, it's always fun and it's always great. And it makes – your job, not a job. I mean, it was, uh, they always say if you can find something you love and, and, and do it and make money at it, then, then you'll be, you'll never work a day in your life. And that's how I felt back then. I was working with guys like, uh, the Fantastics and then you have the rock and roll, then you have the party patrol. Um, so it was with, with those guys, the same thing like the rock and roll. They understood being baby faces, what they had to do. And we understood being heels, what we had to do, and we were all on the same page. Uh, so, so that that they they were they were a lot of fun to work with too. So Bobby Eaton ends up coming in for a bunch of tag matches, a bunch of six mans. How does that actually work? Because he's still in WCW. They're just kind of renting him out, so to speak, and he's allowed to go to Smoky Mountain and ECW and a couple a bunch of other places. He ends up. I think that was uh, about the time Bill Watts had taken over and Bill had, had taken the book. And, of course, Jimmy uh, had great respect for Bill and, and vice versa. You know, Bill had given the Midnights and Jimmy their first break, and uh, now he's taking over WCW. And they're talking, and here comes this, this idea. Let's uh, uh, find something for Bobby to do when we don't have anything for him. And I think that's what it came out to. Same thing with Arn. They loaned us Arn for a couple shows. Uh, so that that's pretty much how it was. And I don't know if you'll get to it here in a minute or not, but the WCW invasion we did uh, at uh, center stage was all because of Bill Watts. So um, uh, that, 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 yeah, that's how that came about. Let's, let's do something different. Let's bring Bobby in and let's bring Arn in and let's, uh, Let's let's put a twist on this. That whole invasion center stage thing is that all because Cornette and Bill Watts had such a great relationship that that like that's kind of what spurred it. And, like that's how it was easily able to be done. Well, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You know what we do in the ring really is a small part of this, and this business is built on relationships. And of course, yeah, uh, Jim has always respected. Bill and Bill was always respected Jim because of his talent, and uh, he always used uh, Jim and the Midnight's great. And now here's an opportunity, you know, uh, to get some national exposure, and you know, reopen the 
Rock and Roll Express versus not just the Midnight Express with Stan and Bobby, but now you have the Heavenly Bodies, kind of included me in there, which which is great, which brought us to Super Brawl 3. And, uh, yeah, without, without Bill Watts coming to WCW, I do not believe Jim would have even opened uh, communication with, with those guys. You know, he left because they were driving him up a wall. He left because of their business practices. So now here's an opportunity. We're right across, you know, right across the way. We're not that far. We can make shots. You know, be it would be a uh, uh, an infusion of new talent, not just using us, but some other guys from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. You know, so in, in kind of an exchange program. Uh, but yeah, without Watts there, I don't believe that would have ever happened. There is some a little bit of controversy with that whole thing with WCW maybe airing not everything and Cornette having it on Smoky Mountain TV where he airs more of what was said. Do you know anything about kind of the behind the scenes of, of what was going on and what was edited out and was there anything edited out of that whole thing? Well, I I, th- I think, and I'm not for sure, but because uh, my memory is a little foggy, but I, I do believe there were still some in the camp that weren't exactly on uh, Camp Cornette's side, so to speak. Um, they... I think they uh, felt Watts wasn't doing the right thing by uh, bringing us in, but but I, I don't know what the what the uh, whole controversy was. I just I do remember the night at Super Brawl or Fall was it Super Brawl Fall Brawl Fall what it, Fall Brawl Three is where we worked with uh, Super Brawl Three Super Brawl Okay. Super Brawl 3. We didn't wear the belts out uh, because we felt that they, they might bury us on on TV. Plus, we were doing the job, too, so we just kind of left them in the back. But, yeah, yeah I, uh, Watts was gone by then, too. Watts, Watts had already left by the time we got to the pay-per-view. So things didn't turn out um, as, as, as we thought they would. But we still had the match, and, and that was it. But, yeah, they um, I'm sure there were still people there who didn't care for Jim. Because Jim would pretty much tell them he thought it was stupid. And a lot of stuff they did was stupid. But, you know, they, you can't tell people that and keep your job, I guess. He was making some anti-WCW remarks that they apparently didn't like. But this is kind of a cool thing. I mean, it's like an invasion angle years before you get the invasion angle of the NWO. Very cool, very different, and totally unique. Yeah, yeah, it was it, it, it was different. It was it was uh, uh, a nice way to introduce us, and um, so and we and we thought at that time it was going to lead to some other uh, other shows and some other stuff, which which it was. But then again, uh, I think Bill probably got tired of the crap too, and, and that's when he uh, he took off. So. So I guess Bischoff wasn't on the same page as Watts was as far as the Cornette bandwagon and the Heavenly Bodies. At that time, I don't believe so. At that time, you know, Eric, I don't even know if Eric was there. Was he? Or was he's, he? I, yeah, he's the next that comes in. I believe he came, almost immediately right after Watts quits or fired, whatever you want to say. Watts is gone. I believe Bischoff is in right after that. Okay, because I don't remember seeing him that night. But, but uh, of course, 
then again, we're talking a different place, different time, different era uh, in the business. So, um, you know, uh, at that time, at that time, uh, Jimmy, I'm sure, felt that that he he had a better idea and, and things should have been ran differently. Uh, so obviously they didn't and they weren't. So yeah, Eric, uh, Eric didn't care too, too much. And there were a lot of people sometimes didn't care too much uh, to listen to Jim's ideas, even when he's right. And it's just because uh, I think they intimidated him there. He intimidated them. Pardon me. Uh, a lot of times here's this guy who, who is very confident in what he's saying and knows what he's talking about, talking to corporate heads who, who only know professional wrestling and don't really know what it's made up of or, or consists of, and except for what they have this idea uh, about it in their mind. And Cornette definitely knew what he was doing at that time, but uh, they didn't seem to want to hear it. He definitely has a way with words, and I just think it's so funny that he gets a hold of the tapes where the anti-WCW is, and it's going to be on Spooky Mountain TV. But if you're a fan of both and you see WCW, you're like, wait, we didn't get the whole thing. You know what I mean? As a fan, you're like, we didn't get to see everything that Cornette said. Right, but but that's that's the thing. You know, um, he, while he had a way with words, he, he was usually correct. And, uh, you know, if corporate people don't want to be told, they don't know what they're talking about because they hold high places and they hold high offices. And, and they of course know what they're talking about because they're making more money and they're in a, they have a nice desk and wear a nice suit and all that good stuff. I'm, I'm projecting here and just imagining, but uh, I can see it because you're right. Uh, Jim wouldn't hold back. Even, even if he liked you, if, if, if he felt you were wrong, he, uh, he let you know it. Let's fast forward just a little bit to May 15th, 1993, last tango in Tennessee, a loser of the fall leaves town, Rockwell Express, Heavenly Bodies, Stan Lane takes the loss, maybe not so surprisingly, as he would soon retire from wrestling right after that. What was the thought process going in here? Stan was just done with the business? He wanted to retire, or was there something else to play here? Yeah, uh, you know, as I said, you know, he was he was living in Charlotte and traveling back and forth. Now, uh, again, I always got along with Stan, but but I don't think he wanted to, you know, he he was he was how can I say he 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 wasn't making WCW money, that's for sure. But and and I knew we weren't going to be making a whole. We weren't going to be making WCW money when we when we started this thing, but I, I felt if we stayed and we pioneered this and we laid the groundwork, there was an opportunity uh, later on. But see, Stan had already been through the pioneering stage, and I think he was he was pretty much over that part. You know, the, the road trips and. Uh, and some of the stuff, I guess, you know, yeah, he was just, just pretty much over it. And, um, you know, I don't believe we ever had a real discussion about why or anything. And it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a personal thing, for, I think, between he and I. I think it was just personal with him that he, he was ready to, 
you know, uh, not not travel as much and make a lot less than he was making in WCW. You know, the fun it, it, it gets it's fun for a while, but once uh, once you reach that point, he was a couple years older than me, and 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 I was still in my mode of you know, <laughs> life is 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 meant to be lived. And I think he was at that point where, yes, while it's meant to be lived, it's also meant to be enjoyed and have money and not spend all of it on the road. And uh, so I think that's what it was. He pioneered places before, and I don't think he was up to the point of uh, pioneering another one. So that was it. Were you worried at all about your future now that Stan Lane was going to be departing from Smoky Mountain? Not really. Uh, Kevin Sullivan was in, and and you know the, the only thing that concerned me was finding a partner. And uh, all the guys I knew were either at WCW or somewhere somewhere else, WWF, WWE, excuse me. And uh, I, I didn't I, I didn't know anybody else right off the bat, but Kevin Sullivan did, and then and that's when Kevin suggested Jimmy Del Rey out of Florida. Yes, so it's so interesting that Stan's departure, while you would think would almost be a negative that he's leaving Smoky Mountain, but you start a new tag team with Gigolo Jimmy Del Rey, and it almost, call me crazy here, gets better. The chemistry might get a little better as far as in-ring, but it just was so smooth of a transition. You almost forget, not forget Stan Lane, but almost forget that the Heavenly Bodies wasn't Del Rey and Pritchard to begin with. Is, Is that crazy of me to say? Uh, I don't know if it's crazy. It, it, it was it was certainly a different team. It was a different attitude, um, and I like Jimmy. But but Jimmy and I were two different people, and um, uh, it's nothing I, I haven't said before. You know, he he, he just uh, had his way of communicating, and I had mine. So we uh, you know we meshed in the ring, but outside the ring we were. We, we kind of went our separate ways, and Stan and I went our separate ways too. But but uh, Jimmy and I just had a different uh, we had a different kind of chemistry. Let me say that. I think that is a, a great kind of just stopping point for this week. As we'll definitely get into more detail of Stan and some different things in some future episodes, and of course Jimmy Del Rey separately on some other episodes, but I think that's kind of a, a great stopping point as we talk about your foray into getting into Smoky Mountain and Stan Lane, the beginning of the Heavenly Bodies. But what is going on in the wild world of JPWA? Well, I'm not sure when this airs, but I will say this anyway, no matter if it's airing after, before, during, whatever. But uh on uh, February 22nd, we have our JPWA Fantasy Camp from 12 to 5. Uh, you can go to jpwrestlingacademy.com for all the information. Also, uh, Ian Rotten in Jeffersonville, Indiana, is hosting a seminar, I think, for the IWA on March 7th. If you want some information there, go to IWA, Google it, find out uh, March 7th. And uh, also on March 13th and 14th, I'm going to be in Raleigh, Mississippi for uh, Chris Phillips' Battle Zone Championship Wrestling. We have a seminar on the 13th of March. Uh, check them out. 
I think they're on Facebook, Battle Zone Championship Wrestling. And then on the 14th, also in Raleigh, Mississippi, uh, I'm going to be involved probably as a special referee with a match involving Al Snow. So, um, yeah, a lot of a lot of other things going on, too, as we get farther down the way. But um, that's it. Again, champ- uh, our next session our spring session also starts April 6th, and all the information is on jpwrestlingacademy.com. Check it out. Uh, we're on Facebook. We're on Twitter, and uh, we're staying busy. Yeah, also prowrestlingtees.com, JPWA has a store. Dr. Tom has his own store, which is awesome. Get that Wanted Dead or Alive shirt. Patreon, you guys have a page set up over there. Check out JPWA on Patreon, become a patron, support them, get training tips, videos, everything you want, you need, and also check out the website, jpwrestlingacademy.com for the uh, JPWA, everything that they got going on, like you said, you got a big fantasy camp coming up, you got spring sessions, you got so much good stuff, you're at Dr. Tom Pritchard, I'm at Two Man Power Trip on Twitter, and then of course our website is tmptempire.com. .com. Dr. Tom, you got anything else going on in, in the wild world? Well, we'll have some stuff going on pretty much uh, coming up soon. I just can't mention it right now, but uh, got got a couple of exciting things coming up that uh, I can let you get let, let you in on as as the date gets closer. Awesome, awesome stuff, Dr. Tom. This episode just uh, it flew by to me. It's like, wow, I love talking about the heavenly bodies, and I love talking about Smoky Mountains. It's great stuff. One of my favorite places to work, man. One of my favorite people, uh, people to work with, Jim Cornette, and uh, I had a blast while I was here. And definitely coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the Gigolo, Jimmy Del Rey, on some upcoming episodes. Really want to get into that awesome tag team, and we'll, we'll delve into the further reaches of the heavenly bodies. So uh, for Dr. Tom, I am JP, and we will see you next week, folks. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.